under your butts. Right there to our immediate left, we have uh, all the folks gathering for the uh, annual Saxon concert. You've got people who really are into the occult and into Satan. They're propagating Satan, and I think it's a devastating thing. The cows read it. What's your favorite total metal video? Zuckerberg and Gates and Buffett, amateurs can fucking suck it, fuck their wives, drink their blood. Come on, Jeff, get up! Who's winning a wrestling match, Lemmy or God? Lemmy. Ah, God. Wrong, dickhead. Trick question. Lemmy is God. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. And we're gonna be at the Wilson Theater tonight with Slayer. You're gonna be there too, right? Oh! Ah. Well, welcome to Summer Time Podcast, everybody. Uh, SummerTimePodcast.com is where you go to find all of our stuff online, uh, all of our episodes streaming there, uh, links to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, what am I forgetting, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. YouTube, all so, the social stuff. That's right. So go there and find our stuff, SummerTimePodcast.com. Uh, this episode... Is a special episode. We um, are going to be joined by the author of this book. I have it right here. Uh, it's called Metallica, the $24.95 book. Um, so I'll go ahead and introduce him now, Mr. Ben Apatoff. Say hello. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, so we've got Ben here, but I should mention we're without our without two members that we normally have on the podcast. So, uh, But I am Eric, as, as always, and we've got Tim here. Hello, and Keith and so, Joe are not here. Keith and Joe are, are not on this episode, but that's okay. <laughs> Day off. <laughs> yeah, they took the they took this one off. So, uh, but yeah, so so welcome, Ben. Uh, I guess the first thing we should talk about a little bit is just how we how we came about your work. Um, we have a mutual friend. That's right, Kevin. Mentioned. Yes, mm-hmm. Kyle. Kevin. Kevin and Kyle. Kevin and Kyle. Yeah. Wait, Kevin Ford. Oh yeah, Kevin Ford. Okay. And then I, well, actually, I know Kevin through Kyle, but I guess I yeah. actually know Kyle through. Okay. Yeah, so, Kyle yeah. is um, Kyle is uh, my Beavis and Butthead, Bill and Ted, Calvin and Hobbes, Wayne and Garth. You know, a long time. I mean, the yeah. book is dedicated to him. He's a is uh, an old old friend of mine for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So obviously, and Kevin is our brother. If, if people don't yeah. know that, <laughs> Kevin. <Ford. laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, um, I think we, we we've had a, you know, often you know often we we're talking to you uh, online about Metallica, and it comes up um, pretty often. And you know, you reached out to us about this book, and I know Tim actually helped with some of the pictures in this book, which is really cool. So yeah, that was a uh, great. It was a real um, it was a real pain to get pictures because you have to <laughs> buy them from Getty and go through a lot of different processes, and it made it a lot easier just to get people who. Are ready to just give me their own pictures so that was that yeah. was really helpful i'm just cool. flipping through right now to find i know you've got let's see there's the one from monsters of rock of james which yeah is an interesting story behind that <laughs> yeah that's that's not technically my photo but uh i i have the picture <laughs> your photo yeah. it's my yeah. photo basically right. yeah, it's my photo yeah. it's a, just a weird yeah we don't have to get into it but it's <laughs> the way i attained it, it's kind of weird but there was one. There was some backstage ones too, right? From the yeah, Justice Pic- there's, yeah, from um, we met them on the yeah. I think the those are the same Justice ones that are in the Justice box set, right? Yeah, they're actually yeah. I think a couple of them they didn't actually use in the box set, so they're slightly oh, okay. different. Yeah, because yeah. I submitted quite a few. Metallica yeah, used cool. like three of them, and then Ben used more of them. So. I just feel yeah. them, yeah. And then uh, I've seen them pop up on social media too, where it's like, you know, look at old videos of Game of Justice. I'm like, I know those guys. <laughs> I, yeah. I know. Was, I know there was one on Instagram and they're like, here's Kirk Hammett. I'm like, that's Kirk, but that's also me. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> <that's wild. laughs> so weird. Yeah. You got pissed. Like, and they didn't say and Tim Ford. Because yeah. I should know who Tim Ford is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Come on. How, how was that? How was, how was me and Kirk? It was really cool. He was. Of the four of them, probably the, the quietest. He didn't have a lot to say. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, yeah he this didn't was, really say much. This, this is still 89. pretty early in their career. I mean, ultimately, when yeah. You think about it. I mean, eighty nine. Yeah, know, the so. first per- the first person who walked in was actually James. Oh wow! And it was weird because it was me and my brother Stephen, and we were just standing like it was. These were just. Uh, we have a cousin in law who works in sort of in the record distribution industry. And uh, he had somehow gotten this, these tickets and backstage passes. So the people back there were, I guess, just like 
probably in the same boat, like they knew somebody who knew somebody kind of thing. Right. So we're just sort of standing around like, okay, I guess they're coming in. And James like walks right up to me and Steven like first. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're like, oh. He's like, <laughs> yeah, right. he's, like <laughs> he's like, what's up, man? And we're like, hey, you're James Hatfield. <laughs> yeah, boy. And yeah. starstruck. Yeah, but we just yeah. they had just lost uh, Jethro Tull. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, ah, let's talk about the Grammys. That sucks. He's like, hey, man, we got to play. We got to play for yeah. millions of people, man. And now he's like, that was the big win. So, I was like, yeah, yeah that's a great uh, performance, too. That's yeah, awesome. oh, yeah, it's awesome. one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I found a, some pretty obscure interview for the book on a, like a Canada interview where they're interviewing after the show. It's like, like um, oh, yeah, you know, one step forward, two steps back. And he goes, no, it's all forward after this. Oh, yeah. Pretty like unfazed, but I'm just uh, yeah, I remember that. That was that guy from um, it was some Canadian guy. And it was much music or something like that. Yeah, much music. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember he asked James those questions. James was like, he's like, "What is the criteria for the selections?" And James, yeah, was right, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought AC was gonna win. And he's like, yeah, right. <laughs> like that's yeah. not the answer he's looking for. But okay, yeah. <laughs> what is the criteria for the selections? <laughs> like, yeah. how would James know that? Yeah, really. <laughs> the criteria is for- these are. They, they don't know like he's not gonna know like right. what is the academy how'd they pick these bands like he doesn't know that oh right. yeah exactly. <laughs> what are you talking oh. about yeah but yeah he was and then lars of course back then, you know he was super cool he was he was lars i mean he yeah when we met him yeah. he was so cool yeah you know um it's like talking to journalists um you really hear a lot of flattering stuff about lars because he talks you know because he mm-hmm. you know like oh they're, they're they're like nice guys but like you know they want to do their own things but like Lars is really into you know talking to fans talking to journalists so I think people yeah. love like that's what he is and just to, I mean I haven't met any of them but just uh, talking to journalists where people like complain about Lars I'm like no you don't understand Lars is great and like you know mm-hmm. well that's you know like that, that's what kind of drives me crazy is you know people bash Lars so much and you know I I get it I get why they do and you know mm-hmm. but at the same time I've witnessed it you know, I met Lars and, and I've, I've, I've heard stories from Tim and other people. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the fan club and I've, there's a local chapter of the fan club and, and they've met Lars multiple times. And every time, I mean, I've not heard a, a bad story about Lars, like being a dick or something, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. not, not at a fan perspective anyway, never mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. and he, his memory for things is, is remarkable. Like just, yeah. you know, he'll, he'll meet someone that's with the local Virginia chapter of the Metallica fan club and be like, Oh yeah, I met you back in 2003 and I was behind <laughs> at the Meriwether post or like, what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you did. But how do you yeah, remember they, that? They need him, you know? Yeah, oh, like, they wouldn't be anywhere. I mean, they wouldn't be as big as they are now without him. Oh yeah. Period. I mean, we're all Period. like, you know, a bunch of kids, you know, on tour in Europe who didn't know where the next, you know, meal was coming from or the next hotel room was. And Lars had that all worked out and, yeah. If you look at like in some of the stuff in the box set, well, he'll be like writing letters to the um to the record label people. He's got like a really astute sense of business and just like you know, no, we need this, and like our best market is here. And he's like, so he's so focused. And it's, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And even one of the, you know, if we're we're trying to focus on the black album, one of the things that they mentioned in one of the interviews that, that Tim pulled with with Bob Rock mm-hmm. was talking about the lead single for the black album and how everyone else was saying oh it needs to be holier than thou and they were like that right, should even yeah. be the the opening track and 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 Lars was like no what are you guys doing you don't get it yeah, like it's you don't get it's it. sandman how do you not yeah. know that like, <laughs> right just you know yeah he knows from a marketing cool. perspective like he's he, you know he's the drummer and he has a bar marketing perspective than the people who are marketing him yeah, <laughs> right? he's, yeah. he's like the coach and the player at the same time yeah exactly. yeah exactly yeah yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I wrote, a little of my book I wrote about how he's. Um, I feel when people complain about his drumming, it's a little bit like when people say, like, you know, oh, David Lee Roth's not a good singer. Oh, Kirk Cobain's yes. a good guitarist. It's like, you know what? Like, yeah, he doesn't have like the technical chops of someone who you know went to like you know the the best music schools. But I think that you know he's got a lot of flavor, a lot of personality. He's very song driven. He really. Um, you know, it's like having a song inside the song where he'll yeah. his drumming is so kind of like air drum worthy that you, you really, you know, adds a lot to it and compliments it well. well yeah, and you you said in the book, you're like, how many drummers heard him doing what he's doing and thought, because I did this, they thought, yeah. well, I could I could probably do that because it's not yeah. it's 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 not easy, but it's also not impossible. Right. It's attainable. Yeah. Um they still yeah, oh you were saying uh, I just said it's it's, it's attainable. It's something you can actually like from the bell tolls, you're like, I could probably figure that out. I mean, yeah, I think that that's a big part of their appeal is they have that kind of like DIY flavor. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you look at like 
before that, um, before Metallica, you know, almost all the biggest metal bands they wore costumes. Just about all of them were English, and just like yeah. Metallica, like an accessibility. That's it's, there's a quote in the um, in the Master of Puppets book that they released a few years ago, where um, a guy who actually grew up to be Andrew WK's guitar player, uh, Jimmy Coop, was like, you know. <laughs> We looked at these pictures and we were like, these are our friends. We were yeah, like, yeah. you know, we saw them laugh. We saw them, you know, and it felt like this is something we could do because they they dressed like us. They talked like us and, you know, they dressed more like their fans than like, you know, big bands. And that was such an important thing and like inspiring us to make music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing about Lars is he has, an, he has this, you mentioned, you know, the songwriting piece of it and he's got this mind for arrangement that like... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying he's Brian Wilson by any stretch because Brian Wilson was some <laughs> other level genius. Um, yeah. but he's got that same kind of mind where he just, he hears the song like practically, you know, he can take the 1500 riffs that he's given and piece together this song somehow, which is like, just, yeah. that's another skill that he has. It's, it's okay. Like you said, to your point, he's not the greatest technical drummer in the world, but the no. contributions he makes to Metallica make it so that Metallica wouldn't be who they are without him basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, I undervalued his songwriting contributions before the book. And I remember thinking like, yeah, you know, James is like the artist and Lars is the businessman and stuff. And then like reading more of their interviews and stuff like that, it's like, you know, yeah, Lars writes like riff motifs. He, uh, you know, picks out solos from Kirk. He really is a big part of their creative process in a way that I had not concerned before. Yeah, yeah. if you watch any of those you know, I know we're, we're kind of shifting to the newer albums, but if you watch any of those making ofs, you know, yeah. it's him and Greg Fiddleman or him and Bob Rock at the control booth and in the studio with Kirk, like, you know, you know, working with the solos, like, like you said, it's, it's, he is so, you know, elbow deep in that stuff all the time that, you know, it wouldn't be the yeah, same. He yeah. Eats it, breathes it, sleeps it. You know, I mean, yeah. Jason Newsett, who's like one of the biggest Metallica fans ever, is like, yeah. I'm shocked at how big like Lars is into it. Like Lars is just like he. I don't think he has like life outside of it. He really just like lives yeah. for Metallica, and it's um, and yeah, that's apparent. I think that yeah, his you know songwriting contributions, his musicianship. It's a James has a good quote too, along the lines of um, you know, someone said like, do you think Lars is not a good drummer? He's like. You know, he'll admit that, but I'm not a great singer, and something happens when we work together. You know, right. like there are better singers, better drummers, but like we have a, you know. Yeah, yeah and no, I think even Lars said, "I'm not the best drummer, but I'm the best drummer for James Hetfield's riffs." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, and um, you know who else says something about is um in the uh, when Flea was inducting the Mendoza Hall of Fame, he said something along the lines of like, "You can get all the best musicians in the world." in the room together and it will not make what Metallica does. And just like you yeah. get people with that chemistry and they, they have a, they, an undeniable chemistry and that's a, uh, that's, you know, part of what's so magnetic about them. What's so uh, like more Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. hundred yeah. percent. So I want to ask a little bit about the book and I was trying to find just before we came online here. Um, is this your first official book or have, do you have other books out there? Yeah, I've uh, self-published stuff in the past. I've, you know, uploaded stuff to like ebook stuff. This is my first like official book that's in bookstores that nice. you can get in like Barnes and Noble. So yeah, that's my, really cool. Yeah. I feel like I, I've had like, you know, no life to leather type stuff, but this is my kill them all. This is my like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen like Revolver Mag like uh, quoting you. Here oh, there, you know? wow. That's oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I've seen just certain. It'll, you know, news outlets like in Ben Apatoff's book. And I'm like, yeah, oh, what was <laughs> <Thank this now?"> <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it's, uh, weird. It's what this is the first book I've had. I mean, is it's pretty much my first book, but it's also the first thing I've had where people like the strangers are like approaching me about stuff that I wrote. And I'm like, you know, I, I got to answer questions about that. And it's been kind of wild. But it's so. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah well, you write a book about one of the biggest bands in the world. That's going to happen probably, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, that's probably the pitch too. It's like, you know, I mean, if it's, if it's Metallica, people are going to buy it. It's like very, you know, it's really just his, they're so huge. It's just, they connect to so many people. Yeah. They well, all seem larger now than they ever have been. It's really kind of weird. Like stuff's yeah. like even more valuable and things cost more. And it's like, well, man, in the past 10 years or so, it seems like things just really blew up. I don't know yeah. why, but. Um, I think, that, I mean, there are a few things, you know, I was on party last night and uh, this uh, this girl was like, you know, hey, dude, I got to give you to my cousin who's 16 years old and he loves Metallica. And I'm just like, that's, 
you know, there, there are other bands from our era and our youth who are just, have, you know, like strictly like our thing. Like if you're born then, if you're at that time, then they're your band. Yeah. But Metallica has transcended right. that. And it's very like, um, it's amazing. You know, it's, um, and like, I, I'm a teacher. I get students who wear Metallica stuff and they might not, I don't, you know, talk to them about it, but it's, they might not know the songs, know the bands, but they like love what it stands for. And they're like, mm-hmm. The same way that like I'd go to school with kids who have like Elvis shirts. They may not necessarily like know the music, but they'd be like, this means something. And like the kids are like, you know, this represents like politics and rebellion and like adolescence and like people love the kind of like Metallica is so culturally huge now that um, I think people love it for something that's not necessarily the music, but like, you know, they just like. And uh, like authentically, like we you know, like this is for me. This is Metallica. This is great. But they're they've kind of transcended that at this stage, which is kind of fascinating to watch. Yeah, that is. And the reading your book, I could tell like we're basically obsessive fans. I mean, we're like we love knowing all there is to know about this band. And I was like, this guy is kind of like us. Like he he has all this like knowledge where you're like, okay, like when I was when I was like fifteen. People mm-hmm. were annoyed at how much I like Metallica. Like they were like, "You probably know when James Hetfield takes a shit, dude." It's like, <laughs> I'm like, "Hey, you know." But I didn't stop loving them because of that. I just kept digging deeper and deeper into the stuff. Right. So like, it felt like that reading your book. I'm like, "This is this is like, this is cool because this guy knows all the <laughs> stuff that usually people are like, "How do you know that stuff, man? That's weird. That you know that." And I'm like, oh, this, this is, is cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's part of their appeal. That they're they're inexhaustible. You know, they're very yeah. like, um, there's. They're a permanent puzzle, you know. It's a, uh, it's like, um, if you figure it out, then it's over, right? Just like, okay, I figured this out. But yeah. Metallica, you know, I mean, I'm a uh, sorry for me, a nerd because I'm a, I'm a, I'm an English major and teacher. But like, you know, I think the stuff that people stick to is the stuff that's like permanently confusing. It's like intriguing enough, but also can, you know, people like keep going back to Moby Dick or Ulysses because it's like, you know, it's so complicated. But like, yeah. you keep, you know exploring this and metallica is like that they give you so much room to explore and so many you know unanswerable questions and you know james has said that before he's like you know i'm more concerned with like exploring the question than finding the answer and i think that that's a part of why they're such a such a likable band and why they they feel like your personal bands you know yeah exactly yeah Yeah, and i also like in the book i mean i'm not done with it yet but you're you don't do the thing where it's like well they were good until like 91 and after that yeah. i just you know like i'm the like Whoa. right right so no. it was refreshing to see like he understands like there's more to metallica than just master of puppets oh yeah there's yeah. there's more sides and there's nuance and there's you know they're a band who take risks and the risks sometimes pay off sometimes they don't but yeah mm. it was cool to see that uh, thank you um, yeah yeah but that's that's important that they take risks and that um and you're, I read how you want both. Like, I love knowing that, like, Slayer ACDC will make the same record. And it's always going to be, you know, always going to be stellar. And I like that knowing that Metallica is going to make this a different record and it's always going to be different. And it's, I like having my reliable bands and my different bands. But, um, you know, uh, one thing I think about often is I was, um, I uh, went to the um, the All Through My Hands day. You know, they, All Through My Hands has that day of action where you get to work yeah. at a food bank and, like, win Metallica stuff. And, uh, I remember like this college kid that was like, dude, you saw the death magnetic tour. What was that like? And he was just like, <laughs> that's my favorite record. And and I was a little, you know, like more than master puppets or justice. And he's like, yeah, like that's the classics. But like, this is like made me who I am. This is like, this speaks to me. It made yeah. me want to play drums. It made me like, you know, yeah. And yeah, people who are, you know, 15 now hear the stuff differently. And like, you know, they're just like, you know, like, think about the world and all the stuff going on like hardwired is what speaks to me and it's um yeah and, no, it's it's great i mean that's yeah. I, we were talking about this recently you know i have i've had friends i've been in bands with people who are like 10 or 15 years younger than i am and their favorite album might be load you know oh, because, totally, yeah. because yeah. you know they were 16 when load came out and that changed my life like that was you know that was oh, the best yeah. album that, that's the first time i heard metallica so you know that, that goes back to like you know the introduction to the band that always holds something you know some, some more special in your heart like that's you know that it's always something when you hear that first the first time it's always you know, yeah it can it be, comes up yeah, yeah it can be that comes up a lot on our show all the time that comes up because we, we talk about just random albums random bands you know we're celebrating these 30 years and this comes up all the time where it's like well you know my first iron maiden album was this and so i like paul diano the best or 
Oh yeah. I don't like the stuff after this. You know, it's this crazy thing where it's like this with your gateway in was such a huge, huge part of your life that yeah, it is. it's undeniable. You're like, well, this was where I started and I can't, you know, it just made such an impact on me. Oh, know? totally. Yeah. It's, um, I've had people talk to me about very personal stuff about load and about, you know, or, you know, Phoebe Bridgers is a big star now. Um, just did talk with Lars, this kind of like folky alternative singer. Yeah. And, uh, her entry was St. Anger and she's like, you know, no, you don't understand like what this means to me. And it's, it's a, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it is a very different thing. And like, you know, people from like older eras can think like, no, yeah, you know, my thing was still the best, but it's, uh, yeah, it's um, something that you know, we shouldn't be dismissive of. Is that like, you know, yeah, there are newer fans who uh, come. I don't know if you ever watched that show, um, that Kids React show, where it's oh, a, some of it, a yeah. YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah, it's a YouTube channel where they'll be like, you know, Kids React to like Motley Crue or Kids React yeah, to Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And there's yeah. a Metallica one. And like, there are like eight year olds who hear like hardware songs, like, you know, this is for me. And they're yeah. just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and that might be the same way that we talked about like Battery or, you know, or Blackened or something like that. But it's, uh, it's, um, well, I'm sure that's why they still do it, you know? I mean, they're still, oh, yeah. to this day, they're, you know, almost 60 years old, and they're still, like, writing well, music James, that's yeah. gathering new fans, you know? it's yeah. it, there's, a, there's a 12-year-old singing the same song that a, you know, 60-year-old is singing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. They, 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 you know, there's such a wide range there of fans, so. Yeah. yeah. James said that on the podcast. He's like, we we'll are play Master of Puppets live, and there'll be some, you know, 8-year-old in the crowd, and he's like, you you like this? Yeah. <laughs> why do you like this? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is amazing. They've definitely pretty clearly transcended that. Where you know they go to some shows, and I'm like, you know, boy, they're all like dads. Or I'm like, oh, I guess that's like our age now. There's like, you know, that's uh, you know, yeah, but yeah. it's uh, Metallica has like a young fan base, and it's um, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's stayed relevant in a really yeah. remarkable way. Yeah, it's really cool. So we are uh, celebrating 30 years of the Black Album, um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask you about you know, where you were at the time when this came out and what your expectations were going into the album. Like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans kind of abandoned Metallica after this because, as Tim kind of alluded to before, you know, after 91, they sucked. Like, this was their sellout album or whatever. You know, obviously, we don't feel that way, and I know you don't feel that way. Um, But kind of going in, did you have certain expectations and and what, you know, were they met, were they not met, you know? You know, I didn't, and um, it's funny because I was... uh... Because my first Metallica record was Kill 'Em All, because that was the first one they found at a used store. And like I was okay. a music nerd, I was obsessed with music, and like I knew that Metallica was like important and scary. I was, you know, interested in horror, and I was like really interested to hear about this thing. So I got Kill 'Em All, and I loved it. And I got Ride the Lightning, because that was the next thing I found used. And, you know, it took some time for me to grow, but I was like, you know, okay, this is changing the way I think about metal. And then I got the Black album. So I kind of followed the trajectory of like, older fans who got like the age okay. records and then heard the black album and i love the black album except i was also too young to understand why someone who liked kill Mall would not like the black album <laughs> okay yeah because i had not been introduced to this whole thing of like you can't like my band but, like my band is too popular yeah, now. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so i those are my first three records you know kill Mall, ride lightning then the black album and Gotcha. You know, to me, they're all they're all heavy and they all had great lyrics and they're all like catchy and fast and, you know, all, you know, cathartic. And I, I love them very much, but I also didn't. Um, and yeah, in, in hindsight, this made me think that more of the kind of um, the sort of anger about Metallica making the Black Album was more that they got big, you know, because to me, they're like, these are all heavy. They're all great. Like, why wouldn't you like all three of these records? So it's, um, yeah. so yeah, it's like a younger fan who got that. I, uh, I, I love the Black Album. So yeah, that, that, I mean, yeah. that is probably true that a lot of people were pissed off that, you know, this, this is my band. This is the underground band. Yeah. And, and there's so many fans that, that, you know, abandon ship once a band becomes big. Cause like, oh, you just sold out. Yeah, to me, that never made yeah. sense. Like, I've always said that, and, and maybe this is me selling out, but I've always said, like, if you're getting into the music <laughs> industry and you're you want your career to be playing music, I mean, isn't the goal to be, you know, yeah. to write music and to have it, you know, make a have, living? Yeah, have have people <laughs> yeah. respond to it positively, and the, the yeah, more totally people will respond to it positively, the, the more successful you're going to be. Like, 
that just made sense to me. So when I hear people like, no, man, you're supposed to stay in the underground and play the clubs. No, and no, I, I don't no. get that. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, yeah, I, I also don't think that underground artists really think that. I think underground artists try to be, you know, it's a, I think I've got a, um, I read a friend who saw um, Bruce Campbell from like the Evil Dead movies talking yeah, to him. Yeah. And someone asked him like, no, you know, what would advice would you have for someone who wanted to be a movie star? And he was like, well, first off, like, why would you do that? And second off, you know, you don't want to be be movie star. You want to be an A movie star. And if you're lucky, you end up in Z movies. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not here because I was trying to be a B movie star. I'm here because I was trying to be like an Oscar winning star, like in A movies. And like, I got lucky. And I end up in like you know the kind of underground cult following. I'm very thankful for that. But like, I don't think that you like get to that status by being like you know, oh, I'm going to be you know <laughs> right. You don't strive to be the. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah or, or like with metallica i remember i saw the um the chris cornell tribute when he passed away with a lot of different bands playing his shows and i remember metallica played two songs from ultra mega okay which is like the most like indie yeah. oh yeah Soundgarden, yeah. and the melvins played like Soundgarden hits the melvins were playing like you know like spoon man <laughs> and stuff like that and it's just like you know yeah i'm sure that you know i think that they're like that they um have you know come to my old place of work but i think that they're like you know happy with their like cult band status but also like you know we're not trying to be a cult band we're trying right. to be like you know, huge and right. things worked out where metallica are this degree of popular melvins are this degree of popular but i think that's um i think that's true with uh cult bands yeah yeah i mean there was also an expectation. I mean, in 91, there was an expectation that the last album was Injustice for All. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where's the thrash? <laughs> it's basically, a lot of people were you know, for. where's Dyer's yeah. Eve? You know, where's Blackened? This album doesn't have that. Therefore, it sucks. But like in, in hindsight, like, you know, and I wonder if this offended more people that they kind of like, they showed that they could do it, but weren't entirely focusing on it. Where like you know, holier than now, or the struggle within. Like they have like thrashy songs on there. Oh yeah, yeah. And I wonder if that's like more just offensive that they were like, you know, we can do it. We're just choosing to do something else. And <laughs> I think I think that was kind of a part of it because you. I mean, Lars deliberately didn't do a lot of double bass on the album. I mean, he didn't. I mean, yeah. There's there's almost none on the album. Yeah, that's right. He could have. There's there's you could have put double bass in struggle within. You could have put double bass in holier than now. Yep. Yeah, and he didn't, and it's like, whoa, you guys suck now. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Let's I've, I've always, I've always been, it's always been admirable, admirable uh, for, for me that how they've approached their careers in each album, and just the fact that, yeah. and they've always said it, the fact that they write the music that they want to write. Like they're not writing music for, you know, the masses to love. They just they write it, and if people love it, great. And you know, we, we just talked about the Black Album on, on our last podcast, um, and I think Joe was like, it was actually a big risk for them to do this, you know? I mean, this Black Album was a pretty big risk, really. I mean, they were, yeah. they, they could it could have flopped, you know? So, um, yeah, they had a comfortable career making thrash records. They were getting bigger and bigger. They were already big. They didn't need songs like Nothing Else Matters to be mm -hmm. big. They really, um, yeah, that was a big risk for them. And, you know, it's, um, I also think that's part of its appeal to the fans is that it is a risk and that pays off and that it, um, you know, people admire people who take risks and, you know, don't think about what the way they're perceived. And I think that's part of Black Album fans' appeal to it, you know, as much yeah. as people who don't, you know, don't like it, think that. Yeah. I mean, even, we, even within the band, like Jason was surprised oh, yeah. when he heard Lars playing the songs. He's like, that's all you're gonna do. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's it. Just boom, yeah. bash, boom, bash. He's like that. He's, but it worked, you know. But it, it, it didn't work. Yeah. He obviously expected something different. Even that's crazy to think a guy in the band was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." <laughs> what are you doing, Lars? But, yeah. Well, I think, and Lars said even like uh, yeah. one of one of our one of our, our friends, Chris Tichiara, who's in a couple bands in the area. He mentioned um, on one of these posts about. The fact that Lars pointed to Phil Rudd as like, you know, I, I wanted to do more yeah. Phil Rudd, just ACDC straight, you know, 4-4 boom bash type stuff. And that, you know, just going for the groove. And uh, and I think Bob Rock had a big part of that, too. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, he, he mentioned, you know, I, my job was just to keep them in that pocket and just like keep the groove there. You know, I didn't write yeah. the songs. I just helped them keep it. Worked on know, tempos and yeah, yeah. keep it tight, yeah. basically. Yeah. So. Yeah, it does have that kind of fascinating uh, connection to Beck and Black, where, you know, they're both two of the highest-level records of all time, and, you know, both big, like, international breakthrough, and, 
you know, they both uh, never released a greatest hit CD. They're both sort of like no more like more album people and doing that. And it's um, yeah, you hear that with that. I mean, I, Laura said something about like I was listening to ACDC every day while I was making the Black Album. Just, yeah, uh, I, I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's cool. They do that. Yeah, well, they do that often. They'll they'll I mean they'll be inspired by what they're listening to and try to incorporate it into the album. I mean they did that with Low, yeah. and you know it's yeah. you know a lot of blues stuff. And so now there's a bunch of Kirk's blues solos on Load and Reload, and you know yeah. So. And uh, you hear that in the bands that come from Garaging too, where it's because um, Load and Reload are more kind of classic rock based, and they've got like on Garaging they're doing like Blue Oyster Cult and Thin Lizzy, and it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah. yeah kind of hard rock influence. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what they were listening to when they wrote Say Anger, but <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. They all have kind of like conflicting things about that. But it's uh yeah, it's, who uh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. albums all over the place. Yeah. It just that sounds yeah. like a band that imploded. <laughs> yeah. They kind of had to. Yeah. I mean it it's, sounds like yeah. what it was, yeah. I think it's so valid because you know, they, they kind of purged that record. They've all said in hindsight, like, you know, that record is just a purge, is more of a purge than like, you know, a record and but it's um I love how it's dedicated to, in the lineups, it's dedicated to Bob Rock and Phil Towel, who are two mm. people they also purged with the record. Yeah, yeah that's Phil true. Towel, Bob Rock, and it's um, that is very true. And yeah, that record is such a like you know catharsis. It's just like you know yeah. getting giving everything out of us. Yeah. yeah, I actually I enjoy quite a bit of that album. People really really hate it, but there's well, quite a bit that I like. There's some good songs on there. Yeah, there are. You know. Um, they posted recently. They did a frantic at one of their festival appearances. It sounded yeah. great. It was like yeah. so, and the crowd got charged with it. It was really, um, you know, it's a. Yeah, no, I don't hate yeah. the album. There's there's a few that um, that I like on the album too, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, people hate it's a production. I think is the main issue. Is you know, yeah, the Lars snare that whole thing. The Lars yeah. snare. I'm like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's the songs. Gotta say too. Speaking of uh, younger fans, I uh, got a friend who's older guys. Like, like I know a kid who's just like you know loves Metallica. It's like his one song that he's like obsessed with and like plays like this is the way that like you need to feel me like this is one song and like he's got some issues like this kid like need to hear a song it's the unnamed feeling oh huh. that's a great song. i never would have picked out but he's just like you know he's uh but like that's like a younger generation thing where it's like you know it's like and you know i was like wow that's a deep cut that that guy really, really liked because like you know like younger fan like do you, like if you want to understand me you gotta hear the unnamed feeling and i'm like you know wow that's uh that's powerful yeah. but that's yeah. uh it's it's lasting it's having an effect on younger people there's some uh, really emotional vocals in that song, so that's not. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good song. I mean, that's one yeah. of the probably that and uh, shoot me again are probably my two favorites on that album. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those are both great. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. There was a video for name feeling too with um, like Edward Furlong and some other people. Was, yeah, uh, yeah. Who, who apparently like really nerded out about Metallica and no, really, <laughs> like you know, like. You know, I'd met Arnold. I'd been like in the business for a while, but like being Metallic was just like my my hero. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> I forgot awesome. about that video. I totally <laughs> forgot there was a video for that song. <laughs> yeah, there was. Yeah, I uh, I'd almost forgotten that too until you know doing the book and reviewing Metallica DVDs, like the uh, the videos eighty nine to twenty four two thousand four. So that's on that. Yeah, you did a lot of research for this book. That's for sure because you're digging some stuff. <laughs> Yeah, like it's, um, like whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's uh the library is really helpful. If you uh you know, order stuff in there at a library loan, they'll just like send it to the store and you can get there. So um it was a big deal for me to get stuff that you couldn't find online. I said that in the pitch. I wanted to get stuff that you, you know, I guess now my book is online, you can find it there, but I wanted um I, I said I, I didn't want to be a fact book. I wanted to be stuff that you could like, you know, yeah. for um I didn't want to be stuff that you could look up online. I just want to be like yeah. something where you could explore again, and again, and you know, find out more about. But. Well, that's what we yeah, try to do on the podcast. Is like we, you know, we don't want it to just be like a Wikipedia review of an album. We want it to be more exactly, personal, yeah, more yeah. personal, more like this is this is our take, or this was, you know, this is what we were going through at the time when this came out, yeah. or you know, think about what was going through on, going on in the world at the time. So, you know, really explore more than just like bits and pieces you find online so that's cool yeah. that's really cool. yeah was there anything you were really surprised by doing this research like anything um, like, holy, holy crap i didn't know that that's pretty amazing things uh yeah a lot of stuff i guess um you know there are like little things like i'd read like you know an old guitar player interview that'd be like you know um you know the thing that should not be sounds like cowboys from hell i'm like you know oh maybe that's where that came from and so there are like mm. little things like that that i'd read or um 
I guess uh, seeing, you know, um, I know James has a reputation for being kind of anti-theistic and seeing how much he would use his sort of, and like with like, you know, Love from Messiah and the God that fills and like mm-hmm. reading more of his lyrics and seeing how much he uses his stuff from his religious upbringing to like convey his metaphors and like he takes metaphors from like, you know, religious texts and, you know, that was kind of interesting to me. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, um, I really took a liking to Kirk. I mean, like, I always was kind of like, you know, like, I'm, you know, I like writing, I like James. And like, you know, seeing how like cool Kirk is, it was really a big thing, but it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, just a, um, yeah, there were surprises just like seeing like what it means to so many different people and seeing how Mm -hmm. um, everybody's Metallica is different, how something that's, you know, that big can, um, you know, there was a, uh, a New York Times po- uh, podcast, Caliphate, where um, they interviewed, um, it, it was like uh, going through Iraq during the Iraq war. And, you know, just mm-hmm. they had like their uh, tour guide who's this, you know, guy who's getting, you know, just like growing up with like bombs going off around him, like his friends are getting droned, his family's getting killed, his schoolmates and are getting killed. And he just like loves Metallica and risks his life to buy their music. It's banned in Iraq. It's like, you don't understand, like this expresses me better than I express myself. And just seeing how much it means to so many different people is a real, um, yeah, that was, was awesome. uh, I mean, yeah, it's like knowing like, you know, you're never going to know how much it means and get like a glimpse of it, but just, you see so many stories. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff was surprising for me. Yeah. I almost feel like, I mean, <clears throat> there could be, or even James could write his own book. He's been, I mean, look at, you think about his yeah. life. It's crazy yeah. what he's been through, like just from his childhood yeah. to, you know, the, the, the crazy shit that's happened to him on stage to his spirituality yeah. journey to like, you know, because he kind of abandoned religion for a long time. And mm-hmm. I know he's kind of come back around on it um, in his own way. Um, so it's just yeah. it's a very interesting journey he's had through his whole life. And it'll be really cool to hear from his perspective, like an autobiography type book. I mean, I'd, I'd love to read a James book, for sure. Um yeah. You know, you mentioned coming back to spirituality. I think one thing that people, um, I surprised people didn't notice is that he um, he made a comment about, you know, some, there's a French publication asked him if you believe in God. And he said, well, I believe in a higher power. And people are like shocked, like, oh my God, it's horrifying. And um, <laughs> that's also like, that's a big part of uh, AA talks is that, yeah. you know, find your own higher power and whether that's science or whether that's your your spouse or, you know, and he. Um, right. And Gil didn't really look into that enough for him to, you know, that's, uh, as he's mentioned in Rock Hall of Fame speech. He's a, uh, um, a one point. of the weird things about James, too, finding out is that um, people get really attached to him. And just mm-hmm. finding out just how, like, uh, you know, there's this, um, just like Kirk or Lars, but also just like, you know, the guys on Some Kind of Monster or like Phil Towel or like interviewers, people like, because I always thought of him as like cool, obviously, and like you know, likable. But like, there's a real attachment to James in like Metallica circles that people uh, people feel. I wonder if that's yeah. why. I know he stopped doing the meet and greet so much. Probably. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know why that is, but um, he said. I, it, I think he said it was it was too much. You know, it was like too intense. It was just yeah. messing with his head. That that probably is part of it. Is like he was getting probably a lot actually. of probably a lot of weird comments. Well, I mean, a couple of years ago, he took know. some more time off for undisclosed yeah. reasons. So, I mean, that could have been oh, mental, yeah. mental health related. Who knows? You know. So. Yeah. Um, and it could have just been like too much. You know. It's, it's probably exhausting too. We he's, can't. He's it's something we can't relate to. Really, I mean, I can't oh, yeah. relate to that. You know, like the fame aspect of it, just walking out of your house and not not being able to go anywhere. All that. You know, it's got to be really frustrating. So. Oh, totally. You know. Do you guys watch that um that Rush documentary from a few years ago with uh is Beyond the Lighted Stage? I have not seen that. No, it's very good, but it's it's like whether or not you like Rush, it's like a very good like depiction of like music and okay. rock and stuff. No, but I remember cool. um they're uh they have a they're talking about like the fan meet and greets and then they have a few people who are like you know Tim from Rage Against the Machine, Jack Black are all like yeah Neil Peart totally blew me off like I don't know what happened and then the interview Neil Peart he's like look. Like, I love our fans. I'm so happy to let me do what you want. But, like, it makes me so uncomfortable. And I was, like, the world's biggest Who fan. I loved Keith Moon, and I never wanted to meet him. And I just, like, <laughs> yeah. I I appreciate it. I respect it. Like, I'm so glad to, like, Getty and Alex, like, talking to the fans. But I just, it makes me uncomfortable, and I can't do it. And it's just, uh, and, well, like, yeah. you can say, like, he's, like, a nice guy. and like, But he's not trying to, like, you know, be too cool for the fans. But just, it's not. Uh, well, people have preconceived yeah. notions about, about 
musicians i mean okay. really anyone who's famous that they're just going to be you know they have to be cool people and you know they're going to be approachable all the time and you know no everyone has their own little things that they have to deal with and oh, totally. you know, they could be completely social awkward but still be one of the best musicians ever you know so oh, absolutely yeah you know yeah. what i mean so yeah don't don't blame you for feel like feeling like you need your time to yourself at all that's you know it's totally right yeah. right exactly yeah. yeah that's why well i mean when we met, we met lars in 92 oh, yeah. we, we chased his limo down <laughs> he was totally fine with it i'm sure yeah. james would not have been as thrilled with that <laughs> yeah he likes that it's um <laughs> yeah, you know, my, my friend Catherine helped me with a course with Alice Cooper. Apparently, he's like Lars, where he's totally like, he will, you know, sign everything and just like, we'll talk to everybody. And it's, um, but you know, I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer to that. It's not like, you know, you no. told your fans. It's like, no, it's, I can see that being uncomfortable. Like, take your time for yourself. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, James is more introverted. So it's probably just exhausting to have to, yeah, have this constant, you know, just constant. Yeah, and you uh, you feel like his music is his expression. You know, that's yeah. really where he gets expressive. And, you know, like, Lars gives more interviews and, you know, talks more about what's going on. But I feel like James expresses himself more through music than through interviews and through talking. Right. Yeah. 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 One, uh, one kind of fascinating interview I saw with James was that um, it was a, uh, a serious XM interview with uh, Jim Brewer that I mentioned in the book where he was interviewing all the guys. And he asked them kind of like silly questions. Like, but at one point he said, who is the most sensitive member of Metallica? And three well, of the guys I saw said this Kirk. Interview, yeah. Yeah. Three, three of them said Kirk and Kirk says James. Yeah. And James, like, you know, you don't understand. Like James's heart can wrap around this building. You don't understand how sensitive James is. And it's, uh, yeah, I think that, that feels very real to me that like, uh, you know, yeah, you could be like that. Yeah. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this obviously Metallica has gone gone through some different lineup changes a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. The Black Album features Jason, of course. Um, right. Any interesting tidbits on Jason that you pulled out through this through the research of this book, um, or anything that was? You know, Jason is probably my least favorite thing to talk about because I hate how mean they were to him. Like, I'll have like, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. like that's tough for me. Like, I'm a obviously I'm a diehard and there's stuff like, you know, like Napster or like the lesser albums that like I, you know, it doesn't affect the way I think about the good music at all. I hate, I mean, they were Jason and yeah. I like seeing how much they've changed with that. And, um, you know, you see them acknowledging that as soon as we left and you see, um, just like this year where Jason was doing the unboxing set of the yeah, black yeah. album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He seems super cool. He seems to, he's like supporting them. He comes to their shows. He praises their albums. Um, yeah, that's brutal that he was like their biggest fan. They you know invited him to this band and they like hazed him. And and you know James is like talking to um, I had an interview in my book where James talked to um, excuse me the guys from uh, Slipknot and was saying like you know like if you need anything to talk about Paul Gray like let me know because like we didn't handle that well when we lost our guy and. Uh, yeah, I think it's a big part of their growth. I think that Jason, being the super fan he was, understood like leaving was a part of their growth, right. and that they need you know him to leave for them to thrive and be the great band that they are now and need to be again. But yeah. Um, yeah. but I love Jason. Jason is a great he's a great performer. He caught Blackened, which is holy shit! Like what an incredible right. song, like Blackened. Like you know, yeah. like to get Metallica the Blackened. That's like you know that's yeah. immortality. That's just that's so good. But it's uh. Yeah. It's crazy to hear like, those bass lines. Like you hear the outtakes on the on the box. Yeah. Of the it's like he's basically playing the guitar riff on bass. It's like holy crap, mm -hmm. that's pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> and he's showing yeah. James like, no, it goes like this. Like Jason actually, can you imagine that? Like you you grew up listening to this band, and now you're showing, you know, James oh Hetfield God. how to play yeah. a riff, and this is going to be on the next album. <laughs> that's, that's insane. Super talented. He like they could not have gotten a better bassist. He's um. As we're into in Flotsam and Jetsam, he's kind of like the Lars of that band, where he's like the yeah. business guy, the go-getter. He's very, um, he's an incredibly gifted musician. He's very loyal. He's a great performer. You see him, he's just like jumps around on stage. And, and yeah. the other guys say this too. They're like, dude, you got to watch Jason on stage. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he shines. I mean, he's just, uh, well, I think he, yeah, he, he rocks so hard that he injured himself, right? Like, he can't <laughs> that's have right. Yeah, yeah, a few times. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. He's definitely, and, you know, he's, He's just like a real artist, you know, that it's painful. But that time when they're leaving, he's just like, you don't understand. Like I have to release this music, like the same way that like you have kids and like you take care of kids. Like I don't have kids. Like, I dedicated my life to music. And he's just like, this is right. like my child to me, the way that like 
your children. I mean, he's such a an artist, and I, I, I have so much admiration for Jason. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, and yeah, you agree? Well, let's see. Yeah, we. I met him in '92, and he was super cool then. I know Tim. You've met him a couple times, right? Like you I met him like. I met him like four times. Oh wow! Because <laughs> yeah. it was this weird thing in the early days of the fan club in like the mid '90s. If you went to the show and you had like, uh, oh well, I've been in the fan club since '93. They're like, okay, because it had these weird things with like, okay, if you line up here, you might get a backstage pass. And then mm-hmm. if the the I had like the gold Metallica club, oh you know, yeah, card, and they're like, okay, well, you're in. <laughs> for sure like all right cool and it was almost always well it was always jason who showed up for these meet and greets it was just jason the rest of them wouldn't show up so uh. that happened i think i think that happened three times where i did that fan club thing like okay you can meet him and it was it was always jason and he was always super cool yeah super nice i mean you know yeah james called him the never-ending connection with the fans he's like you know he'll sign every you know yeah every yeah. last thing he's very yeah. like uh, he's very fan-based and it's uh yeah and he's he's spoken about this is like my role in the group is the connection of the fans and he's uh he's so good with that even though he's also just like he's a great musician he's a great performer he's a yeah. great businessman there's that scene in um in a dim light in a, in a year in the in a half in life of Metallica where uh he's taking home a catering to his hotel room and they call him a cheapskate <laughs> like yeah we'll see who's laughing last he's like no I'm like I'm gearing up for the long run he's so like business yeah. smart too, the whole thing yeah like, I'm not wasting my money on uh on room service he's like I'm, I'm gearing up this is like I got pants for money and it ain't for fucking sandwiches that was something like yeah, <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a memorable scene yeah yeah <laughs> Well, what are you? Are you working on anything right now? Are you? Do you have plans for another book? I am. You... Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm working for the thirty three and third series right now, which is a uh, short books and albums. I'm writing the first ever book about body counts, which is oh, uh, wow. oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, nice. Could be well, yeah. So that's uh, that's been fun to research. Um, it'll be bet. out in 2023 apparently. So okay, yeah, it's uh, been insane. It's never been. Um, that's something I learned through Kyle. Actually, it was a uh, body count. That's been. Um, yeah, I guess just. Uh, um, seeing in the last few years, like how, like, you know, the different, you know, movements, like, you know, Black Lives Matter and Afropunk and thinking like, you know, okay, like, cool. I see people speaking about this, but like, why isn't it talking about body count? So I'm just be hoping about that. And there are sort of, uh, and there are innovations. I mean, this was way before the new metal era. This is before oh, rap yeah. rock. This is before, you know, it's, um, oh yeah. So yeah, well there's before, a lot of yeah. body like counts. 92, on. right? The first body count. 92. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was way before all the, all the rap rock blew up. They took yeah. a big break though. They were like ninety two, and then nothing for like thirty. Yeah, years. right. There was nothing. This is like the like the Rage debut didn't go platinum until two years later. It's just uh, right. some um, so working on that right now and uh, going through interviews and seeing like you know his uh, the whole history of Ice T and just like how he's become like a you know different went from being like censored by the president and stuff like that to being like this <laughs> beloved TV star on, you know, I know. right. Right. I know. I know. It cracks weird. me up. <laughs> like my mother-in-law is like, Oh, I'd like iced tea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, the like, person, like, do you so. know who iced yeah. tea really is? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's going to sing in cop killer. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Cop killer. And then he's a cop on TV. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <I know>. so. <laughs> so yeah, working on that. And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, he, there was like, you know, police boy, Cots about their tours when they would open for him and talking Guns N' Roses, and uh, you know he'd you know read the boycott letters on stage, so he'll ring about that, and it's uh, yeah. yeah, so working on that now, and um, yeah, it's, it still feels like there's work to do in Metallica too. There's like I'm doing the Morbid Nami class again about the Black Album in December, and it's just uh, there's so much to do. Yeah, what, how is how does the class work? Like, what do you what is the? Um, deal I mean, it was like a PowerPoint presentation where I uh, you know just present points on the black album why it's important and why it's a uh, you know that felt like a um like the one to talk about because there's so much room for argument and interpretation like it's yeah. so hard and you know I, I worked to do this in the book but it's so hard to write about something that's like you know like like what do you say about ride the lightning other than this is awesome right yeah. That's i mean like <laughs> you know the black album has so much has so many angles so many controversies so i picked that one to teach a class about so i could like you know explore all those kind of angles and you know as i was mentioning earlier that was a big part of me getting to write a book where i just had to like you know okay like what do i think about this and what do other people think about this and then put that down on paper and yeah get that to a uh get that into something no i would argue it's their most i mean most talked about album most 
I wouldn't say controversial, but just like, you know, as far from a fan standpoint, just kind of all over the map. Like you can have someone who's yeah. like, yeah, this is the best album ever. And then someone who's like, this is where Metallica started sucking. So yeah, it's like, it's, it's the fork yeah. in the road where it's like, okay, these guys are going to actually start doing things a little bit, you know, differently. And yeah. Oh, yeah. either on board or you're not on board. You yeah. know, and also like outside of like dedicated metalhead circles, it's amazing how many people are like, that's like their thing. I mean, like as like a dedicated metalhead, I love the black album, but like I'll talk to people like, you know, yeah, not your old person, but like, oh my god, I used to work at this job and play the black album every day. And just like they're yeah. just like they uh <laughs> it's such a, you know, um yeah, connection for so many people. And just or like, you know, Lana was talking on the uh uh, Black Album podcast about uh, just like, you know, that was one of my friends were like, you know, yeah, like, you know, I'm more into like pop and R&B, but like, you know, hearing this now, okay, now I like Metallica. And just then they, they <laughs> cast this wide net and sort of like, you know, this thing that and, you know, she writes in the book, like, you know, their political act was making metal something that so many more people can enjoy than previously. And that's something that so many people could appreciate. And that's a, a a uh, big part of the Black Album's crowd, which I and listening to the Blacklist and hearing how people interpret it, yeah, I love like you know that's super you know, cool, actually. Super cool, yeah. And that, really, the podcast, yeah. The, 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 the probably the the coolest thing to me about that podcast is listening to all the different artists talk mm-hmm. about how like they were, you know, yeah. in like wherever, like you know, Chile or something, and they're hearing yeah. the Black Album and they're you know, this is life altering for me. And then you hear the song and it's like this weird, like, yeah, you know, not <laughs> yeah. even metal at all, no. but it's a really cool yeah. interpretation. And it's, that's, that's really cool. That's like, yeah. you, you don't think about that stuff when you're listening to metal, like how this is touching other, other people from all different walks of life, yeah. all different, all different genres of music. You know, it's, it's crazy. Definitely. And, and there's and not a lot of metal bands. You could say that to do that. No. Like how many metal bands exactly. can you say, yeah, yeah, they're they they reached this R and B artist from Africa that now wants to do this interpretation. No, Holy one no. hours, you know, it's no. crazy. Like, no one's <laughs> yeah, gonna, like I love Slipknot, but then you're not gonna hear a, a probably not gonna hear a Slipknot podcast. Yeah, you know what I mean? no, <laughs> so. nobody to that extent. Yeah, nobody, nobody like Metallica in, in that regard. And I feel like there's so much like mixtape value in the Blacklist record, where like I feel like you know yeah. for years it's the same way people are like you know. What's your one disc load and reload? If you put it all on one disc, like how'd you make it? Or like, you know, I feel like there's gonna be so much like, you know, make a blacklist album of only like the twelve songs and like, you know, do yeah. that. I think there's so much that uh, I haven't even finished the thing yet. It's so long. <laughs> it's so long, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like just how much so you can do. It. How many people are gonna like? I like this version of Nothing Else Matters more. This version of uh, you know, Holier Than That more. It's uh, there's so much you can do with it. Yeah, it's very cool. And only one of them did a Wolf and Man. There's only one version of of, of Wolf and Man on there. Only one of Wolf and Man, and only one uh, Struggle Within. Yeah. Yes, so, yeah, so, so I'm talking on other podcasts earlier this week about how nothing else matters at this point. A little bit like Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen for them, where like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everybody does a version. You know, people assume like it's easy to play, and I can sing better than James. And they do it. Nobody embodies it the way that he does. But it's yeah. um. We hear there's like you know Shakira does it and Macy Gray does it and Def Naked does it and Phoebe Bridges and Dave Gahan does it and, yeah. and Darius Rucker does it and just like I know everybody's like you know I can try that like you know it's a but he, he doesn't talk about it in a special way dude. that's got to be crazy for James considering that's like a song that nearly even didn't even make the album and it's just this yeah. like personal song yeah, that he's yeah. doodling with and like. <laughs> Lars happened to hear, and all of a sudden, no, oh, it's on the album now, and now it's oh, probably yeah, no, no. like their second biggest song behind Understand Man. So, did you uh, you see recently they were on a hard stern? Elton John talked about that song. Yeah, yes, Cream, Elton John, John saying like, like you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. like, it's like, like oh. yeah, right, yeah, that's unbelievable <laughs> to watch. Yeah. It's got to be mind blowing. I mean, as Lars said, that's a mind fuck, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's got to be like, like what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's the one people are trying to it's just like you know, you, you know Metallica, you, you know the song "Nothing Else Matters." Like I'm just like, yeah, that's a, that's a great song. <laughs> but it, uh, it reaches so much far, far beyond uh, metal. It's really, uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, very good. Uh, and you know, well, that's where, a live version that you know Kirk does the solo on. But I go, go ahead and you're saying. I was going to ask where people can find. I mean, obviously Amazon.com. You can find your book. Um, do you have a website? Yeah. Do you want to promote? Amazon, uh, bookshop.org. Um, I guess Roman is the, uh, Roman and Backbeat are the, uh, publishers, uh, bookshop.org. You'll support your local indie bookstore, but, uh, okay. yeah, however you get the book is, uh, fine. Awesome. 
I got mine on uh, Kindle. So oh, great. I guess it's Amazon because yeah. <laughs> I read on my phone all the time. Like, you know, I'm just going to get it on my phone. And It's convenient, right? I um, I was kind of against that. And then, like, I started being like, I can do this while I'm in line. And, like, you know, it's, it's so good to have a book on your phone. It's so nice. So. I know. I used to be like, you know, I had the book light and everything with the proper book. And, yeah. You know, and yeah. Was, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I approve. I'm, I'm like, well, Kindles. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah get it how you can and uh and yeah uh, thanks for the support yeah absolutely well thank you for joining us it was awesome um, you know obviously metallica is a is me and tim's favorite band so this is this this subject's gonna come up at many more times in the future so if you ever want to come back on you're always welcome i will talk about it anytime i seriously <laughs> on, uh, happy to talk about it anytime and uh um, they're, cool. they're 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 my my guys so yeah yeah absolutely. it's funny how that works like yeah they're just like there are guys like you know that's yeah that's the band that I picked and that's <laughs> I'm yeah Metallica that's yeah, funny how something that big can do that and like it, it still feels know. personal to uh, so many people and like you know consistently you know or just like yeah absolutely you know no matter yeah, how big I, it's, it's yeah we said it last night we were doing that we did a podcast was it Friday night yeah Friday night. Hmm. Uh, about the Black Album, and I said the band I look f- the most forward to releasing new music is Metallica, and um, always, yeah. Eric yeah. And, and Joe just were like, "Well, yeah," and then Keith, <laughs> Keith is the other guy on the podcast. He he made this face like, "Really? <laughs> oh no!" It's, uh... <laughs> well, we we have Keith on for that reason. Keith is like, uh, yeah, he's, he's like the antagonist, the guy who's yeah. like, you know, it's an event, you know, yeah. It's, well, I mean, uh, I mean, who's gonna listen to a podcast where everyone's just always agreeing with each other for? for yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's no. good to have his point of view, and you know, yeah. it's you know, look, I, and I said this on the podcast the other night. I get if you're into like hardcore metal, oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not opposed if you don't like the black. I get it. Like I understand it. You know, if yeah. if, if Metallica was like one of your favorite bands, and but it was one of your favorite thrash bands, and all of a sudden they release this, I understand that. Um, yeah. But for me, it was just you know part of the evolution of the band, and love it. Yeah. yeah. So. One thing I'll add about that is that um, one thing that really inspired me to write the book was uh, I read um, something Rob Sheffield, the music critic, wrote, and I'm paraphrasing it, but he basically said that, you know, for years, bands have stylized themselves as, like, more badass than the Beatles. Like, we're Led Zeppelin, we're the Stones, we're the Sex Pistols, we're tougher than the Beatles, we're mean on the Beatles, we're, like, more hardcore than the Beatles. But nobody pisses people off as much as the Beatles do. And that's kind of how I feel about Metallica, where for years their bands like, you know, we're, we're Slayer, we're Pantera, we're Death Metal, we're Black Metal, we're Megadeth, we're like, we're heavier than Metallica, we're cooler, we're meaner, we're tougher, but like nobody offends people as much as Metallica does, and nobody feels <laughs> as much. And like, you know, you, you talk about the new albums and people are like, that's what you're looking forward to, like you were saying earlier, with a, you know, it's just they, um, like they connect to some people, but they also offend so many people, and they're so, uh, you know, more than, you know, um, you know, my, I have a mentor friend who uh, worked on the third, third, third book about Slayer. And he's like, I was so, you know, I would need to go to therapy to talk about how much the Black Album really offended me. And I'm just like, that's so cool. Like, how awesome is that? Like, in Slayer fans, like, like the, you know, yeah. taking pride in offensive music. But like, that's, uh, you know, like, what offends, you know, Slayer fans is Metallica. And, well, like, but you can't, I, you can't I say it didn't how, have an impact on them, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a, it, it has an impact, and like it's you know it connects to people, and it, you know gives you feelings and emotions. I, I love that Metallica does that. Yeah, I think it's that they loved it so much. The thrash yeah. stuff, they loved it so much. There was an equal and opposite reaction. They're like, oh, I yeah. love this so much, and you have betrayed me. Oh, totally. Yeah. Hate you forever for this, and it's like oh. this, just this equal opposite. Just like I hate you forever now. You have betrayed yeah, me. I mean, never it's, again. It's such a betrayal that they can't go back to. I mean, I, I have I have friends who will not listen to anything after the black album. They refuse. They're like, nope. Oh wow, not doing it. Like I can't do it. That, oh. I was yeah, like, you should check out it. Death Magnetic. No, right. No, I will not yeah. try it. They went back to Thrash. You might like it. Nope. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah, that's part of the appeal is that they, they try new things, they they offend people, they like, you know, they keep getting up and getting back. And, you know, that's uh, I think it's part of the feel that you know, you don't know what you're getting from Metallica, you know, like, you yeah. know, Hardwired is totally different from Lulu, totally different from Death Magnetic, totally different from St. Anger, totally different from SM and Garage. It's it's totally different every time. I love that there's a surprise, and I think that's yeah. and the anticipation is so great. So I, I love that they do that, definitely. Kind of yeah. yeah, and just appreciating the music for the music and not for what you wanted it to be. Just exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to the music. Do you like it or not? 
It doesn't yeah. matter who wrote it. Is this a good song or not? And then people are like, well, it's a good song, but it's not a good Metallica song. And you're like, oh, come on. That's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. I think half the time people people go in with expectations and that's what, you know, sometimes you, you're, you, you may say you don't like the movie or you don't like the album, but it's because of the expectations you've put in your own head. Like, yeah, I have oh, these yeah. expectations. This is going to be the best thing ever. And, you know, even if it's good, you're still like, nah. Because it was, it didn't. It wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, it didn't blow my mind. Like yeah. people got to lower their expectations sometimes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, but also, you know, they they give you their their honest selves. They don't, you know, give you what you're looking for. They don't like, you know, they're not right. Right. You know, for for a band that you know is one of the biggest you know cultural institutions of the world, they you know they are not crowd pleasers. They're not there to like you know, they they're they're there to be themselves. I think that's part of what's inspiring about them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's an argument we've, I mean, you go online and look at the comments section. It's, I, I don't even really do it anymore because oh, yeah. it's just so frustrating. Because you just like, <laughs> you can't. I mean, you're just like, you just don't get it. Like no, these comments and you're like, oh no. I stopped arguing with those people a long time ago. I know. It's I, like, it's, there's no point. It's, it's like I, talking to a brick wall. Just, you know. yeah. yeah. You read the comments and you're like, oh man, you do not <laughs> understand. Just, yeah. I don't, I don't bother. I'm just like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like, mean, if, if, you know feel my thing about the book and then like, you know, yeah, don't, uh, don't the I mean, you mentioned in the book about, you know, if Lars's name comes up on social media, it's usually met with like, just <laughs> like a wave of yeah. hate. <laughs> just, yeah. So pissy about Lars in particular. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's in the book. He's the one member of a talk that people like hate people really mm-hmm. get like angry about Lars, but it's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. And you're right. And you're yeah. right too, that it's mostly about ever since Napster. Yeah. That was you know, the turning it, it, point. But it's funny how like little younger generations care about like, um, you know, my, my partner's not a big music person as I am was like, you know, I was talking about Metallica and like a book and Metallica and then she goes, wait a minute, they sued Napster? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, it's so it's so not a big deal these days. Like for, you know. Well, yeah, it was what, like 23 years ago or whatever, right? Or 22 yeah, years, it was 20 years ago. Yeah, uh, People yeah. who grew up not buying cds and not seeing the difference between like streaming and buying cds don't really care about the difference and i think that's a yeah. i think it's like an our generation of fans like thing but i think there is a uh there's a big portion of the world that is, cares like less and less about metallica suing napster and, and also like you see how like um younger artists i mean in my book i quote guys from mastodon from the misfits who are like look you don't understand like he wasn't doing it for them he's doing it for us yeah Lawrence has right. the money he doesn't like you know they lost more money paying for lawyers you know yes. and they did from streaming like that was the more they, they they took a hit just by like going after this but like you understand like you know we don't make money from music anymore and that's a bad thing but right so yeah i mean like yeah it's a it's, it was inevitably going that way at this point it seems but it's uh but yeah morally i think they're they're right mm-hmm. yeah absolutely we said that we talked about that on the podcast because it comes up every now and then and it's like, yeah, the argument was correct. The, the approach might've been wrong, but the argument was correct. Right. Yeah. It might not have been worth pursuing, but it's, yeah. uh, but I think that, you know, I mean, you see these days when people like applaud, you know, Neil Young or Prince or Taylor Swift who like take their music off streaming sources, like great sticking up for the artist. And, <laughs> you know, in 2000, in the year 2000, when the uh, music sales industry was at its peak, people couldn't see that. Or just like, you know, this is never right. going to go away, but yeah. it's, um, but now I think people celebrate that. I bet that you know more and more people are gonna you know stick up for Metallica for for that part of their career. Yeah. Well, and they people often say they're greedy because of that or or for other reasons, yeah. but they don't realize how much money they lose on a lot of things. I mean, they lost money when they did the second Orion tour. They the movie didn't pan out yeah. the way they expected. The, the through the never, I think yeah, they lost money on that because the stage show was ridiculous. Um, all the proceeds from this this blackened album or um, oh, blacklist yeah. album are all going to charity. Like they're not making yeah. any money off that. So these are things that people don't know, and they just see little examples of like Lars trying to take money. Right, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "No, dude, you don't get it." Like that's yeah. Let me yeah. you. <laughs> um, my friend Kath was saying apparently they're losing money on the podcast too on the uh, oh, really? podcast. Yeah, where they like you know pay to get all these people to like you know have their thing, but they um. Yeah, I think it's clearly not them in it for the money for them. You know, well, that's were, that's, you know. that's an example of where they were definitely more in it for the art. Like you know, hearing, mm-hmm. and they've said this multiple times on the podcast, but hearing other interpretations of what other people are doing with their music is is what they were really most interested in with that with that blacklist thing. They weren't 
totally interested in the money. They they were just excited to hear or to even find out that fifty three different artists wanted to do interpretations. Of the <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that's right. yeah. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we'll let you go. But uh, again, thank you very much for for your time and. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to digging in. I just got the book. I'm looking forward to digging into it myself. So enjoy. Um, and everyone out there, go buy it. If you're a Metallica yeah. fan, I'm sure you'll love it. Um, and Thank you, uh, definitely, we'll hope to have you on again, Ben. Appreciate it, man. I will talk about Metallica anytime. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Fun. All right, yeah. man. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Energy. Energy. Aggression. To sum it up, it's a vulgar display of power. Heavy metal speaks to the anger and despair of teenagers today the same way that the blues used to speak to the despair and anger of the South. Cutting up. Cutting it up big time. Some cunts recording this.